Is the office holiday party a chore or something that people actually look forward to? Do your employees want a Friday foosball tournament or would they rather just go home? What social activities are actually valuable for team building and culture? And what ones should you forget about? This is The Culture Clinic, where my co-founder Joe and I are relentlessly learning from HR experts on how to build a culture where people love to work. My name is Skay, and I'm one of the co-founders here at Gusto. And today, I'm joined by Shelly DaCosta, an HR expert in the rewards and recognition space. Shelly, I'm hoping you can give us some insight into this week's topic, fun at work. How important are employee engagement activities? And so my first question for you, what's the most fun that you've ever had at work? Hmm. Getting screeched in in Newfoundland. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, it was fun. I'm one of those people that I really enjoy offsites. Like I, I, I like icebreakers and and all the things that other people are like. Yeah, I'm one of those weird people that likes two truths and a lie because I. What I like about the offsites is learning together, learning to understand one another, what makes each other tick, and how we work better together going forward. So. All those, you know, psychometric testing, smart skills, Myers-Briggs, strength finders. I, I, I really, I really like those. Those are what, what I'd say consistently where I've had the most fun. And and what about the worst team building activities you've ever done? Oh, those are usually, most of the time consistently, it's where somebody's chosen an outside trainer and not that doesn't get the company or the people or the culture, right? They just did, they're not clicking. So it's great to have outside resources because, you know, sometimes HR can't participate if HR is running the show, so to speak, then they can't even, you know, in, engage in the offsite. So, so you want that help, but too often people bring somebody in because they heard they worked really well at another organization and they're, they're leading a session as one in particular I can recall we did with with countries and we were all set up competitively in various countries and fighting for the flag or whatever it was, but the person just didn't click with us. Um, We didn't click with them. The group was just disengaged. Um, And then there was a few that got massively competitive such that kind of lost all contact of what really needed to happen. So that's, that's it. You know, it's where competition can be fun, but it can go strangely wrong. Um, or team building where it doesn't take into account people's preferences and differences or people don't feel comfortable or safe. So you can see they're you know, quietly not participating. You know, we recently had our uh, company offsite and um, we uh, we brought back improv. So we did improv with the leadership group uh, back in the fall and had such a great time with it. And and so we brought it uh we brought the same instructors to the uh, company offsite. It was so fun and they, it was very approachable, right? Like they're not asking people to kind of get up in front of the whole group and right away kind of do uh, a big improv scene, but rather just kind of like these fun games pairing up with different uh, people. And at one point they had us run a uh, rock, paper, scissors game where uh, you'd pair up and play rock, paper, scissors and whoever won, the the loser would go on to kind of be their cheering squad, right? And so, and then we'd play somebody else. And then so it ended in kind of, it culminated in, you know, the last two people playing. And um, and so uh, Arvind, who uh, is one of our kind of uh, QA members, won the whole thing. So if we were calling them champ all week, which was great. Yeah. And, and you know, you just, uh, people get to see one another kind of outside of the day-to-day work. And, and enjoy one another's company and find out what they're like. Like some people I've had, you know, people afterwards say, I had no idea you were competitive or I had no idea you were this or that. And so that's kind of nice. 
And so how important do you think that social activities are to creating a good culture? I think they're very important, but I think the type of social activities have to go along with the when and, and the where. So where are you doing them and when are you doing them and how are you doing that? Uh, that's really critical. Um, oftentimes you're going into someone's like time off or weekends or vacation. Um, I've known some where they've contacted people and said, do you want to come back from mat leave? We're doing an offsite like that. And that's okay, depending on how you know that employee, but creating this environment where you have to tell them if you want to learn this information, it's really, really critical you know, information that we're doing. And so you're very obligated. So you've now taken away any fun factor if that person's not comfortable in that setting or what's going on. So it has to be a real give and take. Um, I think it's important for employees to think of or employers to think of the fun at work and the social activities as, as another part of that value proposition. What's the employee getting? What's the employee giving? Is this a hardship to attend this or something that they're going to get some real value out of? So they don't mind giving up a Thursday night or an evening because it's going to go past work hours. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and so like what what sort of cadence would have you seen kind of be successful for social activities? I think it's important to find out what the employees like and want and want to do and what's fun for them. Um, and what's your goal? Is it just a social activity, a get together? Um, or are you having an offsite where you're trying to impart some training and some knowledge and some development? So it's important to have a, a little bit of a strategy behind what you're doing, right? Is this just to get people to know one another because we have a virtual workplace and it's an opportunity for people to break bread together, I often like to say, right? Have a meal or cook together or something like that. Um, I think a lot of people enjoy social activities where there's a net means to the end. I, I learned this or I got this out of it or we made a meal and I learned how to cook a recipe or something along those lines because there's just so many different things or where there's people that want to problem solve together. So think of escape rooms, you know, that that kind of stuff. But don't make them scary for somebody who's afraid of clowns. Like you have to really get a sense of who your people are, and what they want and what you want to achieve out of it. Um, but I w- always preferred companies where we had the, the budget and wherewithal to be able to do an off-site once a year. And that could be a mixture of social activities as well as some learning. Yeah. Learn is one of the core values here at Gusto and, and, I, and, and learning can be fun. Uh- oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And even if you're just learning about one another and you, you know what I mean, how you are and, and learning about, um, your strengths. So, you know what I mean? Strength finders, that kind of stuff. It's a wonderful tool to learn and yet also massively social as a discussion point and to take it further. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. We did um, kind of user manuals at uh, at our offsite, right? And so taking the time to learn about uh, not just kind of people's strengths and, and weaknesses, but also how they like to communicate, how they like to kind of receive feedback, how they like to give feedback. It, it has helped us... Uh, as an organization kind of just get to know kind of well actually as kind of individual teams get to know each other much better and and hopefully kind of be able to kind of communicate at a higher level and move faster kind of coming out of the offsite for sure for sure it's great stuff and so is it okay if employees don't have much of an appetite for socializing with each other like is it possible to have a good culture without it i think i think the organization has to look at itself and say like what define good culture, 
what is that for the organization? What is good culture? Do you want a culture of people being really, really close friends and socializing together and inviting each other to major milestones in their personal lives and stuff? You want a culture that is giving back to the community um, because that's part of your core values is in a culture of teamwork, a culture where you're proud of your products or best in class service. Um, and then you figure out what's necessary to create that. So, you know, if, if it's uh, a culture of giving back to the community, then you can have social activities that evolve around that, the shoreline cleanup days, right? Where the company is, you know, and everybody gets their t-shirt and they have a half day and you're providing lunch and you do it in teams, you know, you're, this team is on for this day and the next team is on for the next day. So all the work still gets done, but everybody has an opportunity to attend, make it as easy as possible. And for those that absolutely do not want to attend, is there something else that they can do so they feel like they're still contributing? But that can be a great social activity, and it's still pushing across your culture and pushing across your values. Yeah, and I and I think here kind of it, it's almost kind of counterproductive, right? Like if if you're trying to make a good culture or build a good culture, um, and you have people that might be anxious in social situations and might prefer to kind of avoid it, forcing them to do that is is not going to be a good culture for them. So, you know, I when I think about culture, um, I I kind of think about the 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 POW model, right? So purpose, opportunity, well being. And so like on the well being front there, if you are forcing people kind of into situations that they absolutely don't want to be in, like it is not a good culture for that that person. It's not a good kind of working experience for that person. Absolutely. And that, you know, goes right back to even in recognition, you're right. If somebody does not want to be centered out and have applause, you know, in the next meeting and or whatever, some big spotlight shone on them, that leader should know that when they're giving recognition, that leader should know that when they're setting up social activities, right? It's good to know who your, your quiet people are, who's comfortable with that and what people want to do and how they want to engage with each other. Some people are very, very happy to come to work, support the values of the culture of the organization, but they don't have time or they don't want to socialize outside of work hours. And so in in those instances, where do you focus kind of your culture building effort, efforts if you're not doing social activities? So I think I think then you you figure out what are the activities that can still push along your culture without it necessarily being social, right? So I can still support giving back to the community by doing a one-on-one -on -one volunteer work on my own, that I don't have to join Shoreline Cleanup with a whole pile of employees for the day and be near the, the lakefront or something. Do, do you know what I mean? There's another opportunity that I can do. So provide different opportunities for people to contribute to the culture and be ambassadors of the culture, if you will, and, and carry on the culture in the organization or show that they support it in other ways that aren't necessarily as social as other people would like to be. And so you want everybody to um, conduct smart skills so that you know, or, 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 or you know, everybody, um, you want them all to understand that about the team members and everything. So you do that during work hours and that's considered, right? A training program that you conduct and it's a requirement to be there. It's not a requirement to necessarily come to the dinner later on that evening for the group to celebrate. So I did my training, I participated, I found out that, you know, um, SCAE's, you know, uh, whatever it is, 
on my team and that so-and-so doesn't like to do this and so-and-so likes to do that and here's who I should go to to solve this problem for me, et cetera. I learned all of that because that's part of our culture and important for the organization, but I didn't need to go and toast and, and have dinner afterwards. Yeah, because there might be individuals that still flourish and, and thrive in kind of collaborating with colleagues about work topics, right? Um, but then don't feel comfortable kind of uh, socializing and having conversations around things out, outside of work, right? And so I think in those instances, you can you can still encourage kind of a, uh, a culture of collaboration and, and create opportunities for those employees to participate in some way uh, in, I don't know, I, like, have you, have you done kind of, uh, like a twist up on, on some work projects that allow people to kind of collaborate in different ways? Absolutely. You know, um, set up different projects, uh, partner up people that normally haven't been partnered up together before, um, set up cross-functional teams, you know, those kinds of things to work on different projects, solution pro problems, put that problem of, culture bearers and social activities out to those employees. Like, can you guys help us solve this? We, we need to increase the amount of people that have knowledge about our key objectives in the organization. But we hear that a lot of people don't want to go out to dinner and do this about it or do that about it. Or we hear that people aren't comfortable in that forum. So how can we make it more comfortable for people? Uh, you know, and people, you know, it may come forward that some people aren't comfortable eating in front of other people. Some people aren't comfortable outside of work hours because they've got family obligations and things that they can't uh, otherwise do. So, okay, you know, or or some people are like, no, the, the dinner thing just it's, doesn't work for me. It doesn't work with my commute. It doesn't work for that. But I'd love to meet up for breakfast once in a while. Like we had a whole team that that was the best way that once a month, five of us had breakfast together uh, and, you know, sorted out some problems, issues with our team. We'd, we'd even do development talks. Like someone's on my team is ready for another project. How can I, what can I do? And then somebody would say, I've got a project on my team. I could give them. And, you know, you, you just kind of do that. And so it was great. We had a little social activity amongst us leaders. Um, we shared a meal um, uh, that the company picked up the cost for. Uh, and at the same time, we were solving problems within the organization and you know, building on the culture. So I think you just have to, be very creative and and remember that listening strategy, right? Find out what your employees want and ensure it aligns with the culture. Um, and any like external supports that you bring in and stuff, they understand the industry, the culture, and your people because there's so many great ideas out there. Mm, okay, so so what are some tips then for finding the right activities for your team? Timing is everything. Um, are all your people in the right frame of mind for this, right? Like what's going on in your workplace right now? There's people that are just in a bad place right now. They can't travel to go to the offsite, uh, right? And and they have to be made comfortable with that because that is the date for the offsite. That is what it is. They can't feel like, oh man, I'm totally like, you know, now what? How do I participate? What else can I do? How provide some other opportunities for them or something else? I've seen leaders choose to do an offsite when a whole function of the team, like a sub team is at their busiest, right? It's year end in finance and yet the rest of finance is off at this, right? So the one group is going to be so busy while they're away, even if they can find the time to go away, 
they're going to be looking at their phones and looking at their emails and everything like that the whole time that they're in the meeting. And so it's just kind of like, no, 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 that's a busiest cycle. They're not going to be, they're going to be so distracted and they're going to not be able to gain the knowledge or have any fun. So you need ambassadors to stand up for when and how you do that. And maybe, you know, maybe pushing it out by one month is going to make it better for everybody. There may never be a right time and you're going to have to do certain things about that or that group has an offsite on their own, et cetera. But talk to other teams, HR professionals within your organization, outside the organization. They've all got lots of great ideas and lots of people. Your own team members may have um, training sessions and offsites and social activities that they've done in other previous organizations that were great ideas. I think a lot of times we try really hard to re- to invent the wheels, really. Uh, you know, creativity is fun, but success on it's more important. So, you know, you, you don't always have to find something new that's never been done before because, you know, tried and true can, can really work. You, you'd be surprised how something as simple as um, a potluck celebration can work in the workplace, right? It can bring people together on a team, especially if you can tie it to like, it's diversity. We're all going to eat something that's native to our culture or a culture we've always wanted to try. Is there anybody on the team that could tell me what I should order? You know, because we're going to do virtual lunch. We're going to all be on a Zoom call or whatever, eating our lunch. But we want to talk about this and find out about our heritage or interesting things like that, right? Uh, often break, breaking bread is can be key, uh, you know, to, to having people open up and talk about it. And then, like I said, if you can tie it to some some initiatives. Last question here for you, Shelley. Like, how do you how do you drive participation in company social events? Ask for input. Uh, check your timing. Um, check your workloads. Uh, make it easy to participate. Have that element of fun. Uh, you know, win win. Again, like it's a, a bit of that value proposition. What am, what am I getting as an employee if I go to this or if I do this or I give up my Thursday evening? You know, what does the organization get from it? Have some of those, the naysayers help organize. You know, the people are like, oh, oh, offsite. Like, yeah, okay, you can help us organize so that we can make it more amenable to you or other people. Um, find out what they like. Keep it short, um, simple. Um, watch out for your, you know, I call it quiet people or people who feel uncomfortable or unsafe in the social environment. Um, little things like people don't want to talk about themselves. So you're doing the, you know, two truths and a lie or you're doing those icebreakers where, they have to introduce themselves and talk about, you know, what they were like as a child or whatever. Easy way around that. Partner everybody up so they're comfortable speaking one-on-one with somebody. And then the partner introduces them. So instead of me talking about myself, which I'm quite comfortable to do, but Skay's going to interview me and then talk about Shelly and what she wanted to be as a child. And I'm going to talk about Skay and what he wants to be. And so, you know, it twists it, but it makes it more comfortable. Everybody, we have some fun. And people are in a more comfortable setting to do that one on one. That's awesome. Um, we'll we'll give that a try, kind of at our event. Uh, have you ever uh, kind of given a theme or a topic to kind of a social event? So, like, if the company is uh, dealing with some sort of change management or trying to make some strategic decision. Are you going to kind of theme an event and say like, hey, we want you having discussions around X? Sure, absolutely. Like it, it could be an offsite, but three of the sessions or two of the sessions on the offsite are about the new goals and objectives, whether for the organization or for the team. 
and whether we need to, you know, if we're going to get them done and timing or how to put them out there or we're rolling out a new program and how best to roll it out. Uh, you know, a performance evaluation system, let's say, right? How are we going to train this? How are we going to do this? That kind of thing. Uh, great uh, cultural bearing things in terms of the organization. Uh, DNI initiatives is another really, really big one. So we have some learning, then we get together and talk about it, and we apply it to our lives, apply it to our jobs, what we've learned, what are we going to take forward? And people have to actually, in the session, come up with ways that it tangible ways that they're going to take the learning forward and spread it out and teach others. There's, there's so many ways to kind of theme it and, and have, but, but I find sometimes too, it can be so structured people, you know, it's like, Oh, on to the next activity. Let's go. And they're like, but I was just in the middle of a really great thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, I just think, you know, as a remote company, um, you know, the opportunity to do in-person events, social events is, is, you can capture such a better amount of creativity and, and innovative thinking and collaboration in that kind of creative space. Right. And so if, if you can kind of direct that creativity towards kind of a, a specific challenge that the, the organization or team is kind of working on, right. Hey, for example, AI is kind of like this big new wave, right. In the, in the tech world. And so, um, We've been talking about kind of getting uh, our product team together for uh, a bit of a, a brainstorming session, right? On how how can we introduce AI into the product, right? And and uh, and make it a bit of a, a social event. So, and even the implications for it, and what does it mean to everybody? Because you're going to have varying degrees across the organization of understanding and knowledge. So those that really understand it, can they at the social activity or the event or whatever the offsite? talk to those that aren't to help give everybody to a level playing field on what is it? What does it really mean? And what are the implications for us now? You know what I mean? So, so that's a great way. Cause it's like, wow, I didn't understand. You believe, you know, that person knows so much. I don't understand it. So I'm going to feel uncomfortable going to a session until you kind of bring up my level of understanding about it. Now we can really discuss it in a meaningful way and what it means for Gusto. But there's, there's nothing that can beat that kind of, true face-to-face, not Zoom calls. I mean, I know what it was like to meet you for the first time in person after months and months and months of only seeing each other in a little square box, right? It, it just, it meant that much more. And working with virtual teams in global companies, it's very hard. You've got somebody in Singapore, you know, four people in Singapore that report to you in Waterloo. And you know, some days the the budget was there, which was great. I could go out there and maybe interview for a vacant position on the team, meet the team members that I speak to all the time, face-to-face, have lunch with them, really get to know them a little bit more with things that wouldn't necessarily come up on a call, even understand the language and the accents better when you're face-to-face with somebody than on the phone all the time. And 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 then in that same organization, you know, when, when budgets are gone and you can't do that and you're having to have a team member or have a whole team of people reporting to you that you've never, ever met other than virtually, it's uh, it's impactful to suddenly have that time to do an offsite or time to, to travel and meet people. It's important. And how do you, how do you measure that impact? Like it's important, but how do you measure it? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good one because it's one of the first things, travel budgets is one of the first things to go when, when budgets are cut to explain. And we talked to so many people about it that they're saying, how do you account for the value of that face-to-face other than surveying and talking to people, right? And talking to the employees themselves. So it's one thing for me as a leader to say, that was great. A, I got to go to Singapore, but B, I got to meet these people. But was it impactful for them to meet me? Was it helpful to them? They didn't get to go anywhere. They didn't get to travel, so to speak. But was it helpful? Because that to me is the impact piece, right? That they were able to put a face to the name. I mean, they could do that virtually, but um, understand a little bit more and have time with them and feel equal to the other employees that were in the office at Waterloo that could see me and have lunch with me and have a coffee all the time. Right. So it's like access to the leader is something that's very tangible, I think, for employees. Mm. And so you you primarily kind of measure that through kind of just engagement surveys and Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you you know, if if you could see your your leader in person, uh, you know, what would be the ideal scenario? Once a year, twice a year, never. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you need a new leader at that point. Yeah. Uh, Wally, this has uh, been a great conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the next one. Yeah. Thank you. Highly recommend getting screeched in Newfoundland, by the way. That is a great social activity. <laughs> what is getting screeched in Newfoundland? Oh, you don't know about that? Oh, okay. So any uh, um, in Newfoundland, they have a rum called Screech. And it is, uh, oh, as Canadian ski, you should know that. <laughs> That's at St. John's. George Street is just filled with pubs in St. John's, Newfoundland. That's one of the biggest places to get screeching, but you can basically get screeching anywhere in Newfoundland. And what it is, I'll have to send you some pictures. <clears throat> Screech came about when people came from the islands and they got a hold of these rum barrels and they scraped the barrels to create a really bad... I don't know what you want to call it, the hooch rum. Like it's not, it's just, it's like pitch tar. It's horrible, but it gets you drunk really, really fast. And Newfoundlanders call it screech. You can buy it in the liquor store. It's a bottle of screech. And so it's very harsh liquor. But getting screeched means you have to say a a saying, like it's about, I'm going to kiss the boy and do this. You have to do it in a Newfoundland accent. You have to kiss the cod, which is usually a frozen fish, cod fish. That or a rubber one or something, but it's usually fresh that they've thawed out or something, and you literally have to kiss it. And you say these things and you knock back a, a, a shot of the screech, and you've been screeched in and are now an honorary Newfoundlander. Oh, you don't go to Newfoundland unless you get screeched in. Like it, it, they say, it doesn't count. You're from away, and to make you not from away, you get screeched in in Newfoundland. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And I mean, all, everything in Newfoundland is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Um, so next, uh, Gusto team offsite. We're heading. There the- you go. Yeah. Accommodations are pretty cheap. It's just a flight from Vancouver. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to charter a jet or something to get everybody there. Oh, so <laughs> do you see the private chat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I, see, I, I was going, come on. <laughs> I see them trash talking me here. I'm a, yeah, yeah. I'm a horrible <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> I should know this. If you want to build a culture that drives performance, check out Culture is the Ultimate Advantage, our free guide to creating a culture where your people feel seen, heard, and valued. Thank you for joining us. 
If you enjoyed the show, be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to recognize somebody for a job well done today. Mucho gusto.